0: So the answer is no. You had no funding.
1: (laughs) I didn't. No, but you know, yeah, I I can't comment too much on the specifics of who came in, but found people who I think are who share my
0: mission. You were confident that the funding would come.
1: Uh, Yeah, I was confident, and you know, I I was determined.
0: I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing.
2: We can begin as we always do with our breathing technique, uh, pranayama, which balances the brain and settles the mind.
0: This week on Sand Hill Road. All right, let's take a couple minutes before opening our eyes. Companies and venture investors practicing self-care in very strange times.
1: There's more and more conversation around the importance of this with founders. and I think We'll
0: sit down with Overwater Ventures' Christina Simmons.
1: How can we give them tools and different options to really be thinking about this?
0: Who encourages her portfolio CEOs and founders to stay balanced in all ways. If you don't become the ocean, you will be seasick every day. As for that, what you're hearing is one of two mandatory 20-minute meditations at a company called Garten. Not one of Christina's investments, but definitely a company practicing balance.
2: The name of the company is Garten, and I'm the founder and CEO of Garten.
0: Michael Heinrich taking meditation very seriously.
2: We introduced a policy called Garten Time, and so employees get uh, two periods during the day Twice a day for 30 minutes each time, one in the morning and one in the afternoon, generally around 3 p.m. To do any number of stress reduction techniques, whether that's uh, you know meditation, light yoga stretches, uh, you know reading spiritual text, anything that really reduces stress is is game for that. You cannot work during those periods, and so um, you know somebody might say like, "But don't you want to maximize productivity? <laughs> Shouldn't people be working all the time?" Well um unfortunately uh human beings don't work that way.
0: Now you know uh, engineers tend to be uh, kind of buttoned down people if you were to if you were to stereotype uh and not kind of crunchy kumbaya people. Uh, and this sounds a little crunchy kumbaya
2: well, we've got plenty of engineers on the Zoom so <laughs> they're all reaping the benefits because there's nothing kumbaya about having a clearer mind, having a reduction of cortisol levels in your body, being able to, you know, work more effectively during the day and so uh, we just wanted to create a, a place and a purpose so that people have the time. Think,
0: okay. Yeah, you can pivot that little um like this. Um that way.
1: Oh, this way. Exactly.
0: There we go. Christina Simmons.
1: I am Christina Simmons, uh founder and managing partner at Overwater Ventures.
0: Uh, I think we all pay lip service to work-life balance, right? But you're saying there's an actual return on investment on work-life balance.
1: Yes, that's my philosophy. So for I'll back up for a moment. With Overwater, I was really excited about you know, where is there the most innovation happening? And I think that's in human and planet health. And one of the gaps that I was seeing was that the best founders were usually highly technical. And the gap was, okay, how do I go from R&D project into a real business and a brand that people love, whether it's consumer or enterprise. But to become a brand that people love, it starts with a founder. And to start with the founder, you have to really be thinking about how can that founder show up as their best self, he or she as their best self in the office environment? And what does that take? And in a similar way that athletes have coaches in all different aspects of their life, why don't founders, why aren't they thinking about their sleep or their meditation or their physical fitness or their mental well-being? Because I think that that is extremely important to be able to build a successful company over time. And to your point, I, I just don't think you can build a big company if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a team who loves coming to work and loving their job and loving their life.
0: Now, as you encourage your your client companies, your your portfolio companies to adopt healthy lifestyles and healthy behavior, it sounds kind of nanny-ish. Like, hey, we're gonna do a follow-up uh, uh you know funding, but but did you eat your peas? <laughs>
1: That is not the way. First of all, that is not the way. I don't think it's ever, I think it's always one size fits all. And it's more of, I think authenticity breeds authenticity. And so you have to be able to have the conversations with founders to say, okay, great. Your revenue numbers are fantastic, but let's talk about how you're doing personally. And what are the gaps? What are the challenges? Talk to me about what's happening. And, uh, and then from there, you know, figuring out what is the right development plan or what are options? Here are some choices. And then, of course, the founder can choose, no, I don't even want to listen to that. Or, <laughs> you know, yes, I'm very interested. But, can but I give me
0: your with? elevator pitch on this is important. You know, you know yeah. that's fine. But you know what? We're really busy. You know, we're trying to push a product. Uh, I'll get more sleep tomorrow. Uh, no, I haven't eaten anything. Um, you're going to come back with, no, this is important.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, um, there was one study that came out that said founders are 50% more likely to have mental health issues, 19% don't have enough fitness. There was just a report that came out from UC Berkeley that said 75% of founders have some sort of mental illness. And there's a lot more to it. It's the root. What's happening at the company, building startups, it's stressful. And so to me, you know, I, I was at Lululemon quite early, and it was the opposite approach um, to many of the companies in Silicon Valley, where it was really around how, how can you develop yourself? How can, you know, a company is all about velocity in which it, it which it can scale. And so for you know, when you dig into it, it's really about the people. The company is only as strong as the people behind it. And so Lululemon had a very different approach where they said, okay, how can we really help each person be the, their own CEO within the company? And I saw that culture firsthand and it felt like that was a big opportunity in Silicon Valley. And you can see with the rise of Barry's camp class is an example, even within the the economic environment that we're in, it's going to become more and more important.
0: You you bring up the economic environment because I think this is one of those things that it sounds great when everything's going great, right? The profits are rolling in, et cetera, and uh, you know we shorten the meeting so that we can all go do our our take care of our mental well being. Sounds great when we're making money, uh, mm-hmm. but otherwise it's like, hey, you know what? Meditation time is canceled because we got to fix this. Um, is there some truth to that? That 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 surely work life balance goes more towards work when we're desperate to keep the company afloat.
1: Hmm. I I have a different approach, which is in these environments, it's more important than ever to be thinking about how is the team doing how is their own mental health because with you know with these environments it's harder to raise capital it you know they have to be able to cut teams as you have seen from the last few weeks there's more and more layoffs so that well being is more important now that doesn't mean necessarily having meditation classes or yoga classes it's more around how can you help help really think about um, building the potential of the team.
0: And this the mental health part of it is very serious. I mean, this is something we didn't talk about in Silicon Valley for years, uh, particularly men, mm-hmm. uh, didn't talk about for years. And now this is something that, that uh, still a lot of people are reluctant to talk about, but it is at least considered.
1: Yes. And I, so I used to be on the board of Ginger.io. I don't know if you've heard of the company, but they do 24 7 mental health care access. And their peak time of usage was 2 a.m., which is fascinating to me because that's the time when, you know, therapists are not taking patients. And you can only see, you can see the rise of it becoming more and more a conversation.
0: I took a look at your portfolio of uh, companies that you're advising and that you've funded. A lot of your firm's investments have to do with fertility, women's fertility, but also men's fertility as well. Uh, Is there a reason that that is one of your areas of specialty?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I invest in human and planet health. I like to look for companies that have some sort of breakthrough science or technology and have the potential to build big businesses. And I like to look for areas that I think have gaps in the market. One of those gaps in particular is fertility. It's one of the fastest growing areas within medicine. And I had a very strong thesis of how can you how can you not just think about incremental innovation but disruptive innovation. And so I had a goal of with egg freezing and IVF, how could you go from 25,000 to 50,000 all the way to $4,000? How could you make it more affordable, more accessible, and with better results. And so, I um, one of the companies that I originally invested in was a company called Overture Life, which was rethinking egg freezing IVF to, So to automate the embryology lab. Um, more to come on them. They just had an exciting update as of today in terms of their technology. So, I will stay tuned for yes, more good. information there. Um, but I was on the board of Overture Life and saw firsthand. I actually went through the process myself two times just to learn about what's broken from a consumer perspective. And that I've invested in four companies within the overwater portfolio that together, I think, can really disrupt the industry and have better results for... For families.
0: How was your experience? I obviously this is not, not <laughs> something I have any any experience in.
1: Yeah, I actually did a talk with uh CNBC, uh Chrissy Farr at the time around oh, Chrissy's my the best. I love her. She's I've been friends with her for a while, and she was really curious in my experience. And you know, I went to three different clinics, I tested the experience. It's not necessarily made for egg freezing, it's more tailored for IVF, whereas the growth rate with egg freezing is quite high. And I just saw firsthand that the processes just felt really broken to me. The experience, the, you know, why do I have to go to a, the doctor to take my blood every day, uh, the medications are not necessarily great. It's a very, it's not, it's an analog experience. It's not digital. And so how could you better automate the process?
0: And I should, uh, Chrissy's been on this podcast. I should point out to her fans, she just had a baby.
1: Yes, yeah. <laughs> a few weeks ago.
0: Um, and, and then also male fertility. Was that something where you thought something was broken or you just thought to yourself, well, we probably should know both sides of the coin
1: here. Yeah, well, half the problem, it's it's not just women, it's also men. Sure. And so you have to be thinking about both sides of, you know, of the process. So I invested in a company called Fellow, and they are doing at-home um, both in sperm analysis and then cryo. And to me, it was really fascinating because they took um, a strong approach in terms of their science and their R&D pipeline as well to say, okay, how do we think about men's health in this? How do we educate both men and women around um, their own fertility journey. And the idea is how, in the future at least, how can we start um, creating tools and technology for people to be thinking about it earlier in the process versus in their late 30s or 40s, for instance.
0: And, I mean, circling back to our uh, companies providing mental health or health in general, uh, this is something that some companies, but not all, provide as a benefit – uh, but again, for employer retention and employee uh, ease of mind, it's a good benefit.
1: Yes, I think it's a great benefit. I read yesterday um, that a- Amazon provides this benefit and that there were people just, just joining Amazon to be able to get those benefits. And it's crazy to me that insurance doesn't provide that. I hope that that's changing. But again, I'm investing in technology and and companies that I think can lower the cost and make it more affordable and accessible with or without insurance.
0: Before you went out on your own, you were at Andreessen Horowitz and KOSLA Ventures. Uh, first of all, why go out on your own?
1: Yeah, lots of reasons. Um, for me, I you know if I I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll kind of talk about my journey. Maybe I that do, would. but be I want to. Be,
0: before you do, for the person who may be less familiar with the brand named uh, venture capital, if you could be from two different firms, Andreessen Horowitz and KOSLA have got to be two of the top.
1: It, it was an amazing it's journey. Like, I went to both Harvard were... for my
0: undergrad and Yale for my, you know, for my <laughs> master's, right? Yeah. And Princeton for my PhD.
1: Yeah. I'm, I did none
0: of those things, by the way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I'm very grateful to be at both of those places. And they're similar in the way that they think really big about the world. And I love that and very different.
0: Why did you leave? Uh, You know, you went from Andres and Horowitz yeah. to, to Kostla. Why did you leave and strike out on your own?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, at Kosla and I, I loved working for Vinod. He taught me so many things in terms of managing four hundred active portfolio companies, and the only way to really reinvent something in any way, not just in venture, is you, a clean sheet. You have, yeah, you have to, you have to be outside of the, the, you know, the existing organization to innovate. And so when I decided to leave to start overwater, I said, how can I? really rethink every part of venture. How can I be something different? And I think that there's an opportunity um, to, to do things differently at every level.
0: Tell me about that first day. Had you had the LPs come in, did you have funding secure or did you walk into a rented office and put down a pencil and paper and say, okay, here we go?
1: No, my philosophy was that, you know, I knew that, and I knew from the very beginning at Kostla, I, I, when I met Vinod, and I, I, again, I love him, he was really rethinking how, you know, how could he shift Kostla from a generalist tech firm to really a firm that was focused on impact and reinventing societal infrastructure. Um, but I think that to, to really create from nothing, you have to be outside. So I decided, you know, I was going to leave. I have always wanted— there was something that was pulling me to, towards being both an entrepreneur and an investor, gives me more empathy uh, for the founders who I'm meeting when they're raising capital. And I said, okay, I want to take some time to really think, to leave and think through what is my strategy with Overwater? And then how do I think about um, the even the LPs that I want in my fund to be different?
0: So the answer is no, you had no funding.
1: <laughs> I didn't know, but you know, yeah, I, I can't comment too much on the specifics of who came in, but found people who I think are who share my mission, you were confident as
0: the funding would come.
1: I, yeah, I was confident, and you know, I I was determined. I, I I was very you know very clear on what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it differently, and I was I was investing in founders regardless whether it was angel investing, and my deal flow in terms of the the, the founders I was seeing were founders who you know, some were first-time founders and some had started two or three companies before. And so that gave me a lot of um, confidence to say, okay, there's something here, I should go for it.
0: Overwater Ventures' Christina Simmons, encouraging founders to grow both their business and their mental well-being.
2: Very inspiring. Have a great day, everyone. And thanks to everybody.
0: See you tomorrow. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes at at PressHereTV.com.